Amen. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is where you are. Thank you for joining me again for Rev, Kev, and The Root, where we get to the root and not just the shoot. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would anoint my lips, Lord. I ask, Father, that you'd anoint my lips, that you'd anoint my mind, that you'd anoint my uh, inter-recesses of my heart, Lord. Uh, if there is any way in me that is not right, Lord, I pray that you would correct it. Uh, even as David prayed, Lord, that you would create in him a clean heart. Lord, I pray that you would create in me a clean heart uh, and renew a right spirit within me. Father, because we know that out of the heart uh, springs all kinds of thoughts and things. And Father, we just, uh, that's where our motives are, are resident uh, and originate from is in our heart. So, Father, in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus, I pray that, Lord, you, I will be found faithful in your sight, that I will be found blameless, not in my own righteousness, but in the cross of Christ, in what Jesus did on the cross, Lord, in the work that he did on the cross for me and for the rest of the world. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us enlightenment. Father, we live in this natural world, but there is a spiritual element to this world. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would make everything plain. Lord, you said in your word, Father, that eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But your spirit has revealed them to us. They are revealed to us by the Holy Ghost. Jesus, you said that when he, the spirit of truth, is come, the comforter, the one who walks alongside of us, the paraclete, the one that's called alongside, that he would uh, lead us and guide us into all the truth, and he would take of yours and show it to us. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you today to take of what, is, what belongs to Jesus, what belongs to his spiritual kingdom, and show it unto us. Father, our Father which art in heaven, Lord, we know that hollow is your name, holy is your name. Your, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your will be done in us, in our physical bodies, Lord, in our vessels. Lord, you said in your word that we are to know how to possess our vessels with sanctification and with honor, Lord. Father, you said uh, through your apostle Paul that we are to lay off the former conversation, our former lifestyle, Lord, and to put on Christ and be renewed in the spirit of our mind. You said, Father, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, we need our minds renewed. We need our minds made fresh. Lord, we need our minds renovated. So, Father, I pray that today you would get all the glory and the honor out of this podcast. Lord, those that's dealing with COVID, Lord, we pray that you would touch them. Lord, that those that have lost loved ones to COVID, we pray that you would comfort their hearts, be with them, comfort them and, and give them strength. Lord, help them through their times of difficulty, through the times when they feel like they can't go on, through the times when they feel like, Lord, the world is against them, through the times, Lord, of sadness and sorrow. Father, we pray that you administer to them. Lord, we know that it takes time and it takes the touch of God for people to be healed and to be made whole again. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that if they were not whole in the beginning, Father, that you would make them whole. Lord, you said in your word that it's your will that we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. So, Father, we ask that you would do it, Lord. Have your way today, Father. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, for President-elect Biden, Lord God, that you would make his uh, uh, transition smooth. Father, I pray that you would... Father, uh, comfort his heart and Lord, that you'd also give him a mind to seek your face, to seek your will, Lord, and to seek your way, 
and to desire, Lord, for your will to be done in this earth. Uh, not the will of man, not the will of the house, not the will of the Senate, Lord God, but your will to be done in your world because this world belongs to you. We belong to you, Lord. None of us belong to ourselves. Uh, your word says that we are bought with a price and that, that, that price was the blood of Jesus. So, Father, we know that this world will never be corrected totally and holistically until Jesus comes again and sets up his millennial kingdom on the earth. Only then will righteousness rule and reign in the earth. And so, Father, I pray that you, Lord God, man that would begin to seek you as never before. I pray, Lord, for a revival, Lord, for a change in this land. I pray, Father, for a, for a burden to repent in, in men and women's hearts, Lord God, knowing that we have sought our own way too long. Lord, your word says that we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But Lord, you, you said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. Lord, help us to turn to you with our whole heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have been talking about realms and the trichotomy of mankind, exercising our spiritual senses and we've been talking about the sense of sight. And when we are not saved or when we are unregenerated or when we before we came to Jesus or before Jesus touched our life in such a way and we surrendered to him, uh, we, we uh, had physical eyes to see in this physical world, you see. And we still have physical eyes to see. Not everyone has eyesight. Some are born blind. Uh, but nevertheless, those of us who do have eyesight, uh, uh, and, and, and let me say this, that those who are, are handicapped, they are, they are not less human than what we are. And some of them are, do, do things better than what we do it. Uh, but for those that are handicapped, God has, has increased other senses in their bodies to, to compensate for what they don't have. And, and, and God doesn't just leave a person to struggle, you see, but God, God touches those handy, those that are handicapped and, and, and shows them other ways to handle the situation. And we can learn from that in our own lives because all of us have some kind of handicap, something that, that has held us back in our life. And God will show us how to deal with our handicaps. Now that's a revelation because that wasn't even a part of the podcast uh, message. And so God will show us how to, to do that because he's a loving God, because he's a kind God, because he's a merciful God, and because he is a God that is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. God cares for us. Okay, so, uh, but those of us that do have eyesight to see, and then some of us look at the wrong things and we need to put the right things before our eyes, me included. I'm not just preaching to you on that side of the podcast, those that are listening, but I'm talking to me too. Because just because a person is a preacher or a bishop or a pastor or whatever does not mean that there's not areas in their lives, in their own lives, that they need to work on also and things that they need to get together and, 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 and areas that they need cleaned up, not by their own. Well, we, we have a certain amount of responsibility to do certain things in our lives that God tells us to do, to pray, to read the word, to repent, to not go where we know we're not supposed to go, to not look at what we know we're not supposed to look at and not uh, having our ears, the things that we know we're not supposed to listen to. But other than that, we cannot correct our own hearts uh, holistically, but only God can do that. J David said after he uh, sinned with Bathsheba, he said, created me a clean heart, cast not your Holy Spirit from me. He knew that his cleansing came from God. But however, we that are born with eyesight to see in this natural world 
God has given us eyes to see as a navigational tool in this world. Uh, and so uh, we've been talking about the sense of sight. And just because, you know, you get saved does not mean that now you don't you, you have to do away with sight. But it's not the exactly the same kind of sight, but it's in a sense it is in a sense it's not because we see with natural eyes. But then the Bible talks about through the Apostle Paul, the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our hearts being enlightened, meaning the eyes of our mind, the eyes, uh, the internal man. Paul said, even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so just like I have senses, six senses, in this natural body, I also have senses in my spiritual man, which comes alive when Jesus comes into my life and I'm regenerated and born again. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again because you were born naturally with natural things, but then you're born again spiritually with spiritual things. He said, he that is that is born again, that is not born again, cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He cannot perceive it. She cannot perceive the kingdom of heaven if we are not born again, because we can't see the kingdom of heaven with our natural eyes because it is a spiritual kingdom. And even though we see natural things around us, there is a spiritual element and there is a place called heaven and there is a place called hell, whether you believe it or not. I don't argue with people about that kind of thing because I am of the opinion that one day we will all know the truth. Okay, so we're born with our natural uh, eyes and ears and nose and all that kind of thing. But when we're born again, we also have an equivalent to those things. Uh, speaking, those things are our eyes. We have an equivalent to our eyes. There is revelation we see with our heart, with our uh, uh, our the eyes of our understanding. We hear with our spiritual ears. We know with our spiritual mind. You see, and we're able to 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 uh, not see. With the sense of smell, it's like uh, discernment. And, and in the natural, we smell and we can smell when something is rotten and when it's going bad. And in the spirit, uh, uh, we have this, the, the gift of discernment or the sense of discernment where we can tell when a situation is not right, when it's bad, when we need to get away from it and things like that. So that's what we've been talking about. But we've been uh, in the context of what we've been talking about is the children of Israel being down in Egypt and coming out of Egypt and how they got into Egypt. We already talked about that uh, uh, through Jacob uh, and, and going down there during the famine. Uh, and then we also talked about the Pharaoh that arose after Joseph and all his brothers died off. There was a Pharaoh that arose. And the Bible says that that Pharaoh did not know Joseph. He did not have a relationship with Joseph. He didn't know anything about Joseph. And so there arose that Pharaoh. And I, I mentioned on another podcast that that Pharaoh was, a par uh, to me, he was a narcissistic, paranoid, schizophrenic. Because he decided that he would uh, put the children of Israel into bondage and make them their servants because he said that they're multiplying all over the place and exponentially uh, exponentially, and, and also that they're flourishing and, and they're becoming more than what we are. And he was afraid that they were going to, if they had an enemy that would come against Egypt, that the children of Israel would join with the enemy of Egypt and overtake Egypt. But I mentioned that the uh, Israelites never one time, the text does not suggest that they mentioned one time about uh, joining with, uh, uh, you know, with the enemies of Egypt, not one time. And so that particular Pharaoh dreamed all of that up in his head. 
And let me say this while I'm on that subject, that not everyone is fit for leadership. Not everyone is fit to rule. Not everyone has the temperament to be able to rule righteously and to be able to rule in favor of everyone and not just a certain people or, 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 you know, or a certain person or a certain ethnic group or what have you. Uh, they, everybody doesn't have the right temperament to be uh, in leadership, whether it be a king or whether it be a president or whatever. Everybody does not have the right temperament. And so uh, what is temperament anyway? Well, the online dictionary says this about temperament. It says that it is a person or animal's nature as it is, as, as it permanently affects their behavior. Let me say that again. What is temperament? A person or animal's nature as it permanently affects their behavior because whoever a person is in their core, whoever a person is on the inside, on the in the inner man, that is the type of person that you're going to have on uh, in leadership or on the throne or what have you, because you can't separate who the person really is from how the person is and how they'll rule and how they'll make decisions and how they'll treat other people. You can't separate the two because who they are is who they are. Uh, you know, so so this particular pharaoh uh, was was terrible. Uh, and I said last time that I wasn't poised to say that he was a bad person. But really, in, in essence, I suppose he really was, you know, because it, he had no feeling for the children of Israel and for their plight and for the things that he did to them. And matter of fact, one time Moses came to Pharaoh and he asked him to let the children of Israel go. And Pharaoh uh, made their work harder. He said, I want you to produce the same amount of work. But I'm going to take away the straw and you have to you have to provide your own straw. You have to find your own straw to make bricks. And he didn't care that their 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 uh, their plight got so much more difficult uh, and to the point where the children of Israel begin to be disheartened and to begin to lose spirit uh, and begin to lose heart. So let me say this leadership is not so much about uh, education or kinship, you know, as one would succeed another one on the throne because they're related and all that kind of stuff is, you know, all of that is really, it's not at the real core of a true leader, uh, uh, you know, being related to one and, and uh, uh, you know, they call it being, uh, that pol that, uh, being political, you know, because I know you, I can help you get this position or I can help you get that position or what have you. Uh, and leadership also is not necessarily just about education. I'm not saying that a person should not be educated. Do not, please mis, do not misunderstand what I'm saying. Colleges and, and schools and all that is good, but the, the overall, uh, qualification for a leadership should be more about heart. It's great when we have all these other things, all of these degrees and all this other stuff, but it's more about heart and, and who the person really is in their essence and in their makeup. Pharaoh's uh, temperament, as I say, was narcissistic, uh, schizophrenic. And why is the temperament of a person so important when it comes to uh, leadership? Because the welfare of everyone will be affected. The welfare of everyone will be affected. Let me read you a passage of scripture. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to First Tim First Timothy. I'm trying to hurry along because I know time will be over with before we know it. First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two, verse twenty two. And it 
Uh, let me see. Let me make sure I'm in the in the right place. I wrote it down. I think I might have wrote it down wrong. But however, First uh, Timothy chapter two verse one. I don't know why I got wrote twenty two. First Timothy chapter two verse one. Paul says, "I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men." for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, uh, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. I was looking at something recently, uh, I think it's another podcast or what have you, and uh the person was was uh, rebuking this lady because she was talking about uh, p- politics and talking about, you know, uh, whatever area she was talking about. And uh, they said that, you know, you shouldn't uh, mix religion with uh, politics. Well, first of all, I just read you a scripture where where Paul and this every word is inspired by God. Man wrote it, but God told man what to write, basically. Uh, when it talks about inspiration, every scripture is breathed by God. And so it's, it tells you right there that we ought to pray, first of all, and make supplication and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. That's First Timothy chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 1. And so we should pray for those that are in political arenas and everything like because it affects our life. Every when a person is in authority, when someone sits on the throne, when someone sits in the oval office, it not only affects Washington, but it affects all of us. And so the Israelites life was made difficult because the wrong person was on the throne of Egypt. The Pharaoh that 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 uh went before him was welcoming to Joseph and to Joseph's Joseph's family and he allowed them to be to live in the land of Goshen and the and and they were taken care of during the famine but this next pharaoh was not like that and so temperament does play a big part who a person is does play a big part a very big part uh in uh you know in in leadership uh, also let me get over here to first first Samuel uh, Israel wanted a king. Really, God was telling them that I'm your king. You don't need a king. But they said, give us a king like all of the other nations. Uh, and we want to be just like all the other nations, you know, and, and uh, that's been a downfall for in many areas of society. First Samuel chapter eight. Uh First Samuel chapter eight, beginning with verse four, and uh, the people chose Saul to be their king. They didn't want God to be their king, to be their leader, to be their ruler, but they wanted Saul. And so first Samuel chapter eight, verse uh, four says this. It says, then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah. Samuel asked him to be there and said unto him, behold, thou art old and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Uh, Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us 
a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people, give them what they want in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. This is God telling this to Samuel. They have not rejected you, but they have rejected me according to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods. So do they also unto thee. Now, therefore, hearken unto their voice. Now be it. Uh, how be it yet protest solemnly unto them and show them uh, the manner of the king that shall uh, reign over them. In other words, show them his M.O. Uh, verse 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him of a, of a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots, and he will uh, appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments uh, uh, of his chariots and he will take your daughters to be confectioner confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards even the best of them and give them to his servants and he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and to uh to give them to his officers and to his servants and he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your uh goodliest young men and your asses and uh put them to his work in other words your donkeys he's going to take your donkey donkeys and put them to his work he will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. If you look at what God is telling them, the word take is in there from verse to verse. He shall take, 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 he shall take. And ye shall cry, he says, out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. That's a bad place to be in where God don't hear you. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, nay, but we will have a king over us. Listen to him. That we also may be like all the nations and that our kingdom, uh, that our king may judge us and go before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hear, uh, hearken, which means hear, hearken unto the, their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. So this is what the people asked for. And God told Samuel, they're not rejecting you, but they're rejecting me. And because Samuel sat on the throne, Israel had to suffer many things because you could not separate. Sam In other words, I'm sorry, when Saul sat on the throne, Israel suffered many things. Samuel was a prophet, but Saul was the king uh, that was chosen by the people and not by God. And, and and so uh, when he sat on the throne, Israel suffered many, many things. And God said, he shall take and he shall take and he shall take. And there's there's seven times that the that is that that is mentioned what he shall do. And the number seven is the number of completion. And so 
what is what was God saying? Uh, you know, Samuel is completely about himself. He's full of himself. I'm sorry, Saul. Saul is fully about himself. I don't know why I keep saying Samuel. Saul is fully about himself. That's what he is about. Him and his, his servants. He'll take for himself and his servants. And he's not going to ask you. He's going to take from you. But this is what you asked for because you did not want God to be your king. You were more concerned about being like everyone else than, than that. But we're talking about the temperament of the king and, and one in authority and how that, that temperament really matters. That's what we're really talking about. Uh, you know, in, in Exodus chapter 7, verse 3, I want to go there. Exodus chapter 7, verse 3. And to the word of God, Exodus 7. Verse number three, it says, and, and I, God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgment. God said, I'm going to bring them out by great judgments, because there's somebody that's sitting on the throne that's stubborn, that doesn't want to honor me, that doesn't want to listen to me. And, and when it said that God shall harden Pharaoh's heart, the word in, in Hebrew is kabod or kabod. And, and it talks in when the word uh, harden there in Hebrew is kabod or kabod. Uh, it's talking about glory. It's, uh, and when it talks about the glory of God, it's talking about the kabod of God. And so what is God saying when he says, I shall harden Pharaoh's heart, I shall kabod Pharaoh's heart. In other words, I'm going to honor what's in his heart. I'm going to let him have what is in his own heart. I'm going to allow him to have what's in his own heart. I'm going to allow him to go after what's in his own heart. I'm going to allow him to glorify his own heart and his will and what he wants to do because, you know, God gives us so many chances to get it right. And then after that judgment comes, not because God just wants to judge us, but because we, we give him no other choice because God comes to us and, and, and says, get it right, you know, straighten this out. And then we don't do it. And then judgment comes. Uh, but, you know, uh, also Pharaoh being a type of Satan, uh, or, or a, a picture, uh, picked, uh, depiction of Satan, uh, in so many senses, uh, you know, uh, Pharaoh really did not want to let the children of Israel go, but it doesn't matter because when God, what God says is what really matters. And, you know, Pharaoh tried his best to hold on to the children of Israel, but God knows how to deal with him in Exodus, uh, because the devil really doesn't want us to be free. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. In Exodus chapter 25, let me share that with you also. Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. Exodus 8, I'm sorry. Uh, Exodus 8. Let me get this out of my Bible so I can turn my pages. Amen. And you do a lot of work with your Bible. You have all kind of stuff stuck in it. Amen. Exodus chapter 8 and verse number 25. 
through 32. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet uh, so to do. So Pharaoh said, Sacrifice to God, but sacrifice to him in the land of Egypt. He says, For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. We'll find our, in other words, we'll find our own sacrifices. God appoint us to some sacrifices that he wants us to lay on the altar. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? And will they not stone us? We will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice the Lord our God as he shall command us. In other words, Pharaoh, you're not to command us how to serve God but we're going to serve God how we serve God. There is a certain point where church and state needs to be separate in a sense, because, you know, when, when the state tries to impose its will upon the church and then there, there it's overreach at that point. And Pharaoh said, I will, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord, uh, your God in the wilderness only. He's not my God. He's saying, but I'm gonna let you go sacrifice to your God in the wilderness only. I want to keep you right here. Uh, shall ye shall not go very far away. The devil never wants a person that he has in bondage to go far from him. Entreat for me. And Moses said, behold, I go out from thee and I will entreat, uh, the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people, tomorrow. We haven't got to the plagues yet, but Moses is praying for Pharaoh. But Pharaoh says, look, you can go a certain distance, but that's it. I want you to stay right here. Uh, let me see. Did we read it? Uh, Exodus chapter eight, uh, verse. Yeah, we read verse 28. You shall not go very far away in Exodus chapter 14 and verse number five. Exodus 14, five says, and it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of uh, Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? That's uh, we jumping a little bit ahead, but, you know, they, he changed his mind. He didn't want Israel to go all the way out in Exodus chapter 10, verse 25. Uh, Exodus 10, verse 25. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to everything, but Exodus chapter 10, verse 25. And Moses said, thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Um, so we, we talked about the temperament of the person that's, that's sitting on the throne in leadership. It affects everyone. Also, God sent all of these plagues upon is upon Egypt. What is a plague? A plague is defined as an, an infectious disease uh, caused by bacterium uh, Usania pestis. Uh, that's a, a scientific term. Uh, the symptoms include fever, weakness, and headaches usually begins one to seven days after uh, exposure. But in the Hebrew, the word plague is megafeh. Uh, it's a noun that means to blow, to slaughter. It means pestilence. Uh, it means um, uh, a stroke. Uh, and it's from the word nafa. It means to strike, to smite, to beat, to inflict, and to slay. And so God sent 10 plagues upon the children of Egypt. 
And just because Pharaoh didn't want to let them go didn't mean that he wasn't going to let them go, even if he had to be made to let them go. You see what I'm saying? Uh, God knows how to deal with our enemies. Uh, the first plague was the plague of blood. That's in Exodus chapter 7, verse 20 through 25. The second one was the plague of frogs. That's in Exodus 8, 1 through 15. Next was the plague of lice. Exodus 8, 16 through 19. Next is the plague of the flies. Uh, Exodus 8, 20 through 24. And then Pharaoh tells uh, the children of Israel they can go, but then he began to play with God. He changed his mind. He said, go. No, I'm not going to let you go. Go. No, I'm not going to let you go. Uh, the next one was the plague on the cattle in Exodus 9, 1 through 7. The next one was the plague of boils, Exodus 9, 8 through 12. The next uh, one was, the, you know, the, the plague of hail in Exodus 9, verse 22 through 26. But before the hail was sent and, and other plagues were sent, God gave Pharaoh this. He told him, he told him what the command was, let my people go. Then he gave him a warning in uh, uh, even concerning the hail uh, in Exodus, I believe it's chapter nine, uh, verse 13 through 21. But however, the, the, the plague of, of hail before God sent that plague of hail, he gave Pharaoh a warning. God always gives us instruction. He gives us time to get it together and to obey and to comply. And then after that, if we don't, then judgment comes. Uh, Pharaoh's response is seen in Exodus 9, 27 through 38. And then God gives Pharaoh another warning about the locusts, that he's going to send locusts upon the land in Exodus 10, uh, verse 3. Uh, the, the plague of locusts came in Exodus 10, verse 12 through 20. Then there was the plague of darkness in Exodus 10 through uh, 10, 21 through 29. Exodus 10, 21 through 29 is the plague of darkness. And then the final plague came in Exodus chapter 11. Uh, God gave also again, Pharaoh, he gave him a warning that he was going to take his firstborn son and the firstborn of all everyone in Egypt. He was going to kill the firstborn, not only of the people, but of the cattle also that God was going to kill them. And, and God sent all these plagues, all these judgments upon Egypt. And many times God said this, he said that you may know that I am God, Pharaoh, because, see, when, when man gets too full of himself and when he gets too prideful and when he's hooked up to his own heart, when he, when he has a, a love affair with his own self, then God has to show man who is really in control, who is actually God. God has to show man I'm God and not you. That's what he shows all of us. No matter who we are, God is no respecter of persons. But Pharaoh got too big, as we say in our day, got, he got too big for his own britches. But there is a lesson like we talked about. There was a, that the, you know, the signs that God sent, every sign had a voice. And, you know, when God was talking to Moses, he said, put your, put, uh, take the, the rod and throw it on the ground. It'll become a snake and then take your hand and put it in your bosom. It'll become leprous. He said, if they don't listen to the voice of the sign, every sign has a voice. But also not only that, but every judgment of God, every time God sends judgment upon the earth, we ought to learn something. We ought to hear something from that judgment. Because it's telling us something about God and, 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 and his personality and his and what he wants and what he wants, what he will accept and what he won't accept. So there was lessons from the plagues and, and just some of the side note lessons that we can learn that uh, from these plagues is that God uses natural things in judgment. 
God uses natural things in judgment. God sent flies. He sent darkness. He sent hell. You know, he, he sent frogs. He sent lights and all those kind of things. God uses natural things in judgment. You look through the book of Revelation and you'll find out that God uses natural things in judgment. And, and even with the children of Israel, when they begin to uh, disobey God and, and, and turn on God and, 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 and get stiff necked and stubborn, God, God caused the natural uh, creation, man, he caused the nation of Babylon to take Israel into captivity. And he raised up uh, some of the other of Israel's enemies against them. God used natural man to bring judgment. Matter of fact, when, you know, we're sharing the last podcast, how Satan rose up and, and enticed uh, David to number Israel. And then God asked David, he said, do you want me to judge you or do you want man to judge you? And so God uses natural means a lot of times, not saying that's that's all that God would do, because we cannot put God in a box. God is not static. God is dynamic. God is always moving. God is always doing things. And so uh, and, and we don't know how God is going to operate because the Bible says through the Apostle Paul, who knows the mind of the Lord that he may instruct them? We don't know. But the spirit tells us uh, of God's mind. But we don't know what God is going to do from one day to the next. So God uses natural things, but God also uses his prophets in judgment. You know, uh, uh, Moses said that the Lord will raise up a, a, a prophet for you, for the children of Israel, like unto me. And, and so uh, Moses was not just a messenger, but he was also a prophet. But he told Pharaoh, he told Pharaoh, and this is what a prophet should do. A prophet should go before the people and tell the people what God said. You see in Jeremiah, you see those that prophesied out of their own imaginations. God said they prophesied, but I haven't said anything. He said they're wagging their tongue like a dog. And so let me say this, that, you know, nowadays, you know, in big Christian circles, we see prophets and things like that. And they're going before the people and, and they have all these wonderful prophecies about a new car and, and, and plenty of money and a new house and all those kind of things. But a prophet does not just prophesy good things. But a prophet prophesies what God says, and God is not one-sided, but God is love, he's mercy, he's, he's compassion, and all of that, but God is also judgment. God will also send down some fire on Sodom. God will also send some frogs into Egypt. He'll send some lice, he'll send some darkness, he'll send some blood, and all that kind of thing. And so a prophet, it, it does not just prophesy good things, but sometimes it's not so good things. Amen. So God uses man in his judgments. He uses natural things. He uses man in his judgments. You know, even in the book of Revelation, they talk about the two witnesses that lay in the street and things like that. And Jesus even talked about, you know, how God sent them the prophets, but they killed the prophets. They didn't want to listen to the prophets because they didn't like the message that the prophets were bringing. And also, not only that, but God gives us time. He gives man time to comply with what he has said. God to, uh, told Moses to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He gave him time after time after time after time after time in preaching the same message, let my people go. But Pharaoh would not comply. God gives man time. But then, you know, the, the time runs out sooner or later. They say God is long suffering, but how long is long? In 2 Peter uh, 1 Second Peter three, I'm sorry. Second Peter three, one through 18. We see this uh, uh, con, uh, about God's judgment. Uh, man decides his own outcome by either his willingness to comply or his disobedience and refusal to comply. 
man decides his meaning man and woman decides their own outcome by their willingness to comply or their disobedience and refusal to comply. Whatever we decide to do decides our outcome. Amen. Now, let me also say this before our time runs out. Some other things as a side note that we can see in this in this lesson is that God hears our cry. In Exodus 3, 9, it says that God heard the children of Israel. He had respect unto them. And in the Hebrew, the word where it says had respect unto someone, just as in Cain, with Cain and Abel, it said that he had respect unto Abel's offering meant that God turned his head. That's what it means when it says has respect. God hears our cry. Exodus 3, 9. God knows our situation. Exodus 3, 7. God sees and knows the habits of our enemy. God knows right where our enemy is. Exodus 8, 20. And also Job 1 and 7. God turns his head in our direction and responds to our plight. Exodus 2.25, Hebrews 4.15. God, uh, 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 you know, his response is time sensitive. God's response is time sensitive. God told Abraham, your uh, uh, offspring will be in a land that's not theirs for 400 years. And nothing will be done until the time that God has already said and uh, has already set. God knows how to deal with what is trying to deal with us. He knows how to deal with our enemies, our enemy, especially our enemy, which is Satan. The people around us are not our enemies, but when they're controlled by the devil, they're, they're working for our enemy. So they become our enemies in a sense. Uh, either our enemy will move or God will move our enemy. He knows how to, he knew how to deal with Pharaoh. God is showing us right there in illustration that he knows how to deal with whatever is trying to deal with us. God is fair to all the ones affected as well as the perpetrator. God told Pharaoh, look, you know, let my people go. If Pharaoh would have, would have done that, then God wouldn't have sent those judgments on Egypt. That was Pharaoh that released those things upon Egypt because you know, I don't care what we think about ourselves. We are not God. He is God. And he is always going to be God. The Bible says every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And when we cross that line, then we're putting us, ourselves, and our people, whoever's around us, our family, or whoever else, in a bad spot. But God is fair because God gave Pharaoh a chance. God gave him a chance. God was bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was fair to them. He was fair to Egypt because God told Pharaoh what was going to happen if he didn't listen, but he decided not to. So he was fair to everyone. God is fair. God protects and shields the righteous from his judgment. Second Peter 2.9 and also 2 Timothy 2.19 and also Exodus 9.7. God said, I'm going to set a distinction. Let me, let me try to read that right quick. Exodus 9 and verse 7. And it says, uh, let me see if that's the right verse. Exodus 9, 7, Exodus 8, 22. Let me see which one it is I want. Exodus 9, 7 is one of them. And Exodus 8, 22 is another one of them. Uh, I think that's the one I want. Uh, Exodus 8, 22 says, and I will sever in that day the land of Goshen. In other words, I will cut. Or, 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 or separate uh, that day, the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end. Thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And also Exodus 9, 26, uh, the Bible says, 
uh, only in the land of Goshen. Well, let me let me go up a little bit. Uh, verse 24, Exodus 9, 24. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. Did you hear that? There was no hail in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel was. Let me give you those scriptures one more time. Second Peter 2, 9, Second Peter, Second uh, uh, Peter 2, 9. Second Timothy 2.19, Exodus 9.7, Exodus 8.22, and Exodus 9.26. Now, we must uh, cooperate with God to be spared from judgment. Just as God told Noah in Exodus, I'm sorry, in Genesis 6.13 uh, and 18 through, uh, through 19. Let me read that. Exodus, I keep saying Exodus. That's when you're trying to hurry up. Amen. We only have so much time before we run out of time. Amen. Uh, Genesis chapter six, verse 13 says, and God saw, uh, said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. God was about to judge all the world for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God said he was sorry that he made man. Also go on down to Genesis chapter 6 verse 18. He says to Noah, but with thee will I establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy son's wives with thee, the daughter-in-laws. And of every living thing of all two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Amen. Let me read this also. Exodus, go with me to Exodus chapter 12. Amen. So God is bringing judgment upon the world. This world is a judgment day is coming. We've been talking about that since I was a child, that judgment about judgment day. And so, but God knows how to spare his people from judgment. All the judgments that he brought up on Egypt, none of them touched Israel, his people, um, and so it's not that Israel is so special, but God chose a people out of a people to show everyone how he cares for all of his people. He used Israel as an example. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 through 13. Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. 1 through 13. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next unto his house take unto Take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your uh, count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the 
fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two sides of the post uh, and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it and they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it eat not it raw nor sodden at all with water but roast with fire his head with his legs and the uh pertinence thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth uh, of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire, and thus shall ye eat with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of the of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where, where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you, when I smite the land of Egypt. And the Bible talks about that when God came through uh, through the land of Egypt, when God sent that final plague, the plague of the firstborn, then Pharaoh released the people. But why did it take all of that? Because sometimes the will of man is so stubborn, uh, man is so hard-headed that he will not obey God. Exodus uh, chapter 12 Verse 29 in our closing, and it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on the throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle and Pharaoh or Pyro rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not a dead person or or one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said and be gone and 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 bless me also. So he's saying it's going to bless me for you to be gone from here. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people. They, they heard them along that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they uh, borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver jewels uh, of gold and raiment and the lord gave the people favor in the sight of the egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the egyptians and so now the children of israel is getting ready to leave out of the land of egypt and the bible says in in uh we we wrote the scripture down that the lord knows how to deliver the righteous. He knows how to deliver the righteous. Amen. And, and so we're getting ready now as one of the children of Israel to take our journey 
into the wilderness. And there are many stops in the wilderness. And, you know, it's just, it's the same thing in our lives. There's, there's many uh, different uh, situations that we'll find ourselves in. And in those situations, God is trying to teach us something about ourselves, but he's also trying to teach us something about him, you know. And so God is is multidimensional. God is not just one way, you know. And so just like I said uh, earlier, that God is, is not static. He is dynamic. He is always moving. And that's one thing that we'll begin to see about the children of Israel in their journey is that they were always moving, always moving, always moving forward. Uh, and the things that they had left behind were now behind. And, and there was a place that they were going to that was before them. And so they had to, they had to uh, use their senses to 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 uh follow God because there you're going to notice that there is going to be an ever abiding presence of God in the cloud uh, of fire by night and the pillar of 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 cloud by day and so you know it's just like that in in our spiritual lives we have to have our spiritual eyes open to see God first of all and, and, and we talked about that in a couple of podcasts ago, that how that Moses was a man and Hebrews talks about that, that Moses saw God, you see. And the Bible in, in uh, Matthew says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But yet the Bible says that God is a spirit in John 4, 24. So how can we see God? How can we see God? We see God with our spirit man we see god with the inner man you see we we don't want to live in this life in the outer man in our feelings and if it feels right and if it look you know if it if it looks right and and uh you know and and uh all of our physical appetites and things like that we don't want to be controlled by what we've been controlled by all of our lives which is the natural man but we want to begin to be controlled by the spirit man we all fight battles we all fight with the flesh we all fight things trying to come back into our lives that are counterproductive to our spiritual development and in our spiritual progress we all fight those things man don't don't i i just I like real people. I like real preachers. I like real pastors. I like real bishops that will let you know. It's not that you have to put all your dirt out there before people, but will let you know, hey, man, it's, it's not just this super spiritual thing, you know, where, where I don't feel anything. I don't fight with nothing, you know, or anything like that. But we we all live in this world and we're all trying to make it to heaven. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's not that, I, you know, I've, I've forgotten, like I heard a, a preacher say one time, and I appreciated that. He said, look, it's not that I've forgotten how to cuss. I just don't do it, you see. And so whatever, whatever progress we're going to make in this life, in our spiritual journey, it is going to be because of God. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Jesus said, you can't add one cubit to your stature. You know, things that we worry about and things that we fret about and all that kind of stuff, things, natural things. We we can't do anything about that anyway. But my time is run out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now today, Lord, for your glory. We thank you for the glory that you um, have shined upon our lives. And Jesus, I just ask that you be with us, that you would keep us. Lord, help us to grow in you 
and to know you more and more every day. In Jesus' name, if you want to write me, it's RevKevInTheRoot2020 at gmail.com, RevKevInTheRoot2020 at gmail.com. And I also ask that you would consider giving to this podcast. Amen. Mm-hmm.